If you have your Bibles, turn to the 92nd Psalm. Psalm chapter 92. Thank you, Wayne. Psalm chapter 92. Remind you tonight we're going to have a wonderful time. Very often, Not very often we have someone of Sarah, Sarah Reeves' uh, uh, exposure and talent. And you get to hear free. A lot of churches in our city have these concerts, but they have tickets. And we understand that. But uh, we're underwriting this tonight. It costs money to get her here. Uh, but we just want to have a worship concert. And we just don't believe you ought to, you ought to have to pay to come worship uh, other than a love gift. So we'll be taking an offering. So we're going to have a wonderful time tonight at 7 o'clock. And I want to encourage you to be back. It's great to have someone of her ministry, her exposure, and she's known worldwide as her ability to lead worship. So it's going to be it's going to be a wonderful. Our worship team is going to be worshiping and leading some as well. So it's going to be a great evening. Psalm 92. How many brought your Bibles this morning? Good, good. Not bringing your Bible to church either on your phone or on your tablet or your uh, leather Bible or your printed Bible. Uh, always bring your Bible. Psalm 92, it's like going to a farmer's market without a fork. It's just a sin not to bring your Bible to church. Psalm 92, verse 12, I'm reading now the NIV. It says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. The righteous, those in right standing with God. We would say it this way, believers, Christians, children of God, those who have been saved, born again, ask Jesus to come into their life. The Bible says we, the born again, saved, those who've asked Jesus to come into our life, Christians, um, we will f- should flourish like a palm tree. And then it says they, the righteous, the believers, the born again, the redeemed, the church, will grow. How will they grow? They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Growth and development are just huge words today and it's part of our culture. If you work for any type of company whatsoever that has a vision and looking to the forward, forward about their, the health and welfare of their, their company, chances are you've been in some kind of class or they brought in some type of teacher or coach for growth and development. We see it in our athletes and our children pursuing athletic feats. Uh, baseball, they have private hitting and pitching coaches. Uh, specialty coaches who help them grow and develop their athletic abilities. Our son played college baseball, and he was a catcher. So all through his middle school and high school years, we had we had catching coaches that would come in, and we would pay to help him hone and develop his skills to be better. Our daughter was a, a rider for the MTSU equine team, and and was reserve champion in the United States in Division One, and, and all through from, from the time she was uh, uh, six years old, we had she had equine coaches. That was her goal. We had people tutoring her and growing her and developing her in riding horses and how to ride and things of that nature. Why? We wanted her to be her best at that which was in her heart, and we wanted her to receive the benefits of the best. We have personal trainers. People hire a personal trainer to help them grow in fitness. Uh, I haven't spent any money on that. Running coaches. Uh, they just tell me about the personal trainers. I don't have any person. But running coaches, golf swing coaches, 
uh, basketball shooting coaches. They have weightlifting coaches, gymnastic coaches, and the list of specialty athletic coaches just to help athletes grow and people to hone and develop their physical abilities. That list just goes on and on and on. But it's not limited to athletics. We, we have academia coaches, coaches in the world of academia. Tutors and coaches for every subject imaginable are available. Math tutors, science tutors. We even have study coaches teaching you how to grow in the discipline of study. Test coaches, coaches that show you how to excel in taking tests. We have musical coaches, theater coaches, dance coaches, career coaches. Coaches are not limited just to children and children's activity. Adults Adults, we adults secure the, the, the talents and the traits and the abilities of, and services of coaches. Why? To help us grow as adults and develop. Nowadays they have what is referred to, and it's a big thing, as life coaches. They have marriage coaches, leadership coaches, career coaches. We have financial coaches, retirement coaches, nutritional coaches, And the list goes on and on. Why? Because growth and development in any area of life helps us become our best. And it helps us to receive the benefits of being the best. (laughs) A couple weeks ago, I asked a beautiful young lady. I said, "Uh, do you have any coaches? And she said, oh, yes, 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 I do. I said, really? What kind of coaches do you have? And she says, well, I have a Brooklyn carry-all, I have a banded hobo, and I... I have a Chelsea crossbody, and I thought, now these are new ones for me. What's a banded hobo, a Brooklyn carry-all, and a Chelsea crossbody? And she held up her pocketbook, and she said, this is my coach, Chelsea crossbody. And, uh, and how many of you ladies know what I'm talking about here? How many of you men don't have a clue about what I just said? That's good, that's good, good, I'm glad to hear that. See, we see the benefit, we see the benefit of growth and development physically, we see the benefit of it athletically, we see it in our educational pursuits and with our financial well-being, we see it in our relationships, and we even see it in our career choices. But when was the last time we evaluated our spiritual growth? We want our children to grow athletically, and we want them to hone their skills. They might get a scholarship. We want our children to grow academically. We want them to do good on their ACT and the SAT. They might get a scholarship. We want us as career individuals to do good so we can be more appealing to the next company or get a promotion at work. But when was the last time we evaluated our spiritual growth? Let me ask this, is, is your spiritual growth on your personal radar? Is it really something you've thought about? Have, have you and I sat down and thought, am I more spiritually grown this year than I was this time last year? How am I doing spiritually? We know how we do academically. We, we can even judge how our children are doing athletically. But how are our children doing spiritually? Is our children's spiritual growth a priority as much as their athletic growth and their academic growth. 
Maybe here's the first question we should ask. Should my spiritual growth and development be a priority in my life? And if so, why? Should my children's spiritual growth be a development in their life? To be honest with you, most of us think like this. If I've asked Jesus into my heart and I've been born again and I'm going to heaven when I die, then why is anything else spiritually really that important? I need all my energies and my attention focused on getting ahead in this life, getting ahead of the next competition, doing better, making more money, getting a promotion. That's where my energies need to be focused, not spiritually. I will deal with heaven when I get there. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, everything's okay. Is that the way we think? Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 says. Look at Proverbs. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Notice what he says. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now look at verse 23 especially. Above all, in the New International Version, the NIV, he says this, above all. Everybody say above all. Above all. In other words, it's a priority. God even says this takes... This is above all. This is a priority. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Listen, athletically we grow and develop our body and its attributes. Academically we grow and develop our intellect and our mind. Spiritually, we grow and develop our heart and our spirit. And God says our heart or our spirit is the epicenter of our lives. Notice he says, everything you do flows from your heart. That's why he says it's a priority to guard it. To make sure it's protected, grown, and developed. That our spirit, our heart, our spiritual side of us does not lag behind. Why? Because everything we do eventually comes from our heart. Our heart, our spirit affects everything. Every one of us know of someone, have read of someone who athletically achieved greatness and made millions of dollars, but their life is a mess. Because their spirit. We all know people who are intellectually brilliant. They have trained and coached and received instruction. And they are intellectually brilliant. But their life is messed up. Why? Because somewhere along the line we focused more on the things that are temporal instead of the things that are eternal. Understand quickly what he says, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So the question is, should my spiritual growth be a priority? Well, of course it should be. But often we forget about it. Look what Jesus said. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He said this. And what you do and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I I never will forget when our son was when we had him in all those private coaching lessons, hitting lessons, and 
throwing lessons and catching lessons. I never will forget, I kept thinking, I kept thinking, man, we got to get ahead of the next kid. We got to get ahead of the next team. We got to get ahead of the kid we've heard about in the other city. There's only so many catching scholarships. There's only so many catch. We got to get ahead. We got to get ahead. We got to hit. And I, and, and that's good and that's great. And he enjoyed every minute of it. But as a parent, I was so short sighted. Because today, those hitting lessons haven't done him any good. They were good for a season, but I neglected, and I was the pastor, I neglected his spiritual growth. I neglected making sure he grew the same way spiritually that he grew athletically. He grew athletically. He excelled and received scholarships and and was wanted. But spiritually, he lagged way behind. Because there wasn't a focus of, on him to spiritual growth. He's just a pastor's kid. He automatically grows spiritually. Listen, our children do not automatically grow spiritually. Just like your child doesn't automatically grow spiritually. And you, you did not automatically grow spiritually. It has to be an intentional coaching. Just like it is athletically and academically. Look at James 4.14. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. What is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. If we're not careful, we'll spend all of our emphasis and all of our focus growing and developing areas of our life that have no eternal value. And we'll, it'll be over with before you know it. I suggest that growth and development is needed in all areas of life. If your child is a gifted athlete, by all means, get them special development and growth and coaches in the area that they love. If your child has an academic gift, by all means, get them all the coaching they need. If you need, if you, your marriage needs some honing and some blessing, by all means, go to a marriage coach. If, if your finances, or you're having a hard time getting ahead financially, or just, if you're just always under the, the barrel financially and can't get, seem to get ahead, by all means, get a financial coach. Of course, I suggest doing all of that. But listen, if, if growth, if we grow physically and mentally, but not spiritually, our focus in life is misguided. And we will eventually suffer. We will eventually suffer. So this morning, for the next few moments that I have, I have, I have 18 minutes. Let's, uh, let's evaluate ourselves spiritually. Now, first of all, let's ask this question. Is it God's will for us to grow? And spiritually develop. Is this will anyway? I mean, we know it's God's will for our kids to grow. We know it's God's will for our people to grow academically. We know that. We know it's God's will for our companies to grow and have better employees and teach them and coach them. We know all that. But is it God's will for you to grow spiritually? Is it God's will for you to grow spiritually? Well, turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 1 and 2 in the NIV. It reads this way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may what? Grow up in your what? 
so that you will grow up in your salvation. Well, I'm saved. I'm born again. I remember several years ago, Pastor, when I asked Jesus to come in my heart, I got baptized in water. I, I'm saved. I'm born again. Well, notice what the Lord says. He says you, He wants you to grow up in your salvation. The key is not just to get saved. That's so important. That's the beginning. That's the birth. But you don't stay a baby physically. And you didn't stay a baby academically. God doesn't want us to stay a baby spiritually. He wants us to grow up. Here, here, let's look at another translation. I love the Living Bible translation in the same verse. It says, get rid of your feelings of hatred. Don't just pretend to be good. Be done with dishonesty and jealousy and talking about others behind their backs. Now that you realize how kind the Lord has been to you, put away all evil, deception, envy, and fraud. Long to grow up. Long to grow up into the fullness of your salvation. Cry for this as a baby cries for his milk. So it's so important that we grow. Should we want to grow? Of course, he says he wants us to grow up. We need to evaluate ourselves. Are you spiritually more mature this year than you were this time last year? Can you see some growth in your life spiritually? Or let's be honest. Have there been years in the past that you were more spiritually in tune than you are now? Has life interrupted your spiritual growth? Has disappointment or brokenness or maybe busyness caused you to kind of pull back spiritually? Has there been times in your life that you were more in tune with the Spirit of God and sensitive to the Spirit of God than you are now? He says He wants us to grow and develop. So... I have to ask myself, how can you measure your spiritual growth? How do you measure it? We, we measure our kids' physical growth. I, I, I don't know if you have this, but in my house, when I was growing up, there was a door there, and, and my dad would lean me up there about every three months and put that ruler on my head and take a pencil and mark on the, the door facing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't do that around here? I... Y'all got computers and you just scan them and it tells you, ha ha. Back before computers, they'd lean you up against the door facing and put the ruler on the top of your head. And if he, and when you're short like my family, if they're not looking, you do this. And, uh, and then they mark it and put the date. And then every year, about the same time, you go back. And when our kids, when my children, their grandchildren came home for Christmas, they would take them and put them up against that door. And this was Daddy when he was 10. Now this is you when you're 10. And every year there was a moment where every kid got up there and marked their growth. And we can evaluate how well we're growing physically. Well, how do you evaluate your spiritual growth? How can you tell if you're doing it? Well, I read my Bible five more minutes than I did this time last year. Does that really evaluate spiritual growth? How can we tell? Well, notice what he says. Psalm 92, go back to Psalm 92, verse 12. Notice what he said. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow. How? How? How do you know they're growing? Like a cedar of Lebanon. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, the Holy Spirit isn't general. He wrote this. 
The Holy Spirit isn't general here. He didn't say this. He said, uh, the righteous will grow. Period. He didn't say that. He just didn't even say this. He didn't say the righteous will grow like a tree. We know how a tree grows. Plant a tree, water a tree, and over years a tree grows. No, he's more, he's more specific than that. The Holy Spirit was more specific. Notice what he says. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like, like what? Like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I thought, how do I know if I'm growing? I need to find out something about the cedars of Lebanon. Because the Lord pointed them out. He didn't say they'll grow like a blueberry tree. He didn't say they'll grow like a lemon tree. He didn't say they'll grow like a weeping willow tree. He said they'll grow like the cedars of Lebanon. He just didn't even say they'll grow like a tree. He said they'll grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Then if I want to evaluate if I'm growing, I need to find out something about those trees. He was specific about it. There was some characteristic about that particular tree that is associated with our spiritual growth. So I wanted to find out, how can I determine if I'm growing or not? See, the ancient prophets from Moses to Malachi were well acquainted with the famous cedar trees that grew on the mountains of Lebanon. When Solomon built the temple, when Solomon built the temple, the cedars of Lebanon were the trees he chose. The cedars of Lebanon were used in the foundation of the temple. They were used in the framework of the temple. And they were even used in the furnishings of Solomon's temple. The cedars of Lebanon. When I read about Christians should grow like the cedars of Lebanon, I imagined a tall, imposing tree. But I was wrong. Cedar trees are not like that at all. In fact, there's various types of cedar trees on the mountains of Lebanon. And the first one I learned about was a tree, the cedar tree called the little cedar. In fact, it's the opposite of being a tall, imposing specimen of timber. It's called a little cedar because they are used for the medial task of making fence posts for sheep pens. And the Bible says you're supposed to grow like a sheep post for a sheep pen. A fence post for a sheep pen. Doesn't that excite you? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever until you start learning about the characteristic of that little cedar tree. Something very special about these little guys. And here it is. Once they are cut down and placed on a truck, they never have to be tied on. Understand the roads in the Middle East are not our beautiful freeway systems like I-24 that becomes a parking lot every morning between 7 and 9 o'clock out here. They have potholes and hairpin curves. The years of a conflict and war and abuse and lack of maintenance. Their roads over there are totally different than our roads. And these little cedar trees, when they're cut down by the farmer, they never have to spend any time or energy keeping them on the truck, tying them down. They have the unique ability to cling together and stay on board. They are not polished mahogany. They're just crude, unfinished, fence post cedar. But they have a wonderful quality of consistency and dedication. 
They stick together over the potholes of life and the hairpin curves. You know, in eight years that I've been pastor here, I've, I've spent a lot of my time chasing the truck, picking up cedars and putting them back on. Do anybody hear what I just said? I spend a lot of my time chasing the truck, picking up cedars and putting them back on. People who don't hang together, they're not spiritually growing. One of the things of you shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. One of the cedars, characteristics of the cedars of Lebanon is they stick together. They don't fall off at the first pothole they hit. They don't give up. They don't quit. They don't grow weary. They don't stop. They don't leave. They don't get their feelings hurt. They don't mad. They hang in there. It doesn't make any difference how bad the road gets and how difficult the journey becomes. See, our spiritual growth can be measured very simply like this. How big of a pothole does it take to throw you off? How big of a pothole? How, how big of a tragedy? How, how big of a heartbreak? How big of a disappointment? See, see, if you're just waiting for somebody not to speak to you or not to make the decision you like or do something and it knocks you out, then you're not growing spiritually. He said you'll grow like a cedar. You might not be high-polished mahogany. You might not be a tall, imposing. You might not have passed the look test, but if, if you can hang in there, that's a sign of spiritual growth. See? Well, I can see that fires you up. Let me try the second one. <laughs> the second one is called a fire cedar. A fire cedar. A fire cedar. Cedar, you will grow like the trees of Lebanon. Fire cedars are what they're called because the shepherds would use them by night to lamp their campfires. And the reason they were the favorite of the shepherd is because they would ignite, now listen to this, from just a spark. No pumping, no priming, didn't have to pour a bunch of gas on them, no pleading, no pressuring or perspiring, just a spark. If if they got close to heat, they would ignite and they'd burn all night long. How can you know? He said, you'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How can you know if you're spiritually growing? How can you know if your children are spiritually growing? Spiritual growth can be measured in our life by the tenderness of our hearts to ignite when God's presence gets close. How tender are we? When we get around the presence of God, it ignites our life. Some folks will not ignite spiritually until tragedy happens. They don't get serious about God till somebody gets sick. They don't get serious about going to church and worshiping with other believers until they get a layoff slip. They don't get serious about serving God or praying or worship until the doctor gives them a bad report. It takes tragedy. It takes heartbreak. It takes difficulty to ignite some people. And then... Other people, man, they just hear of somebody getting blessed and that fires them up. (laughs) Fire cedars. I'm thinking of 120 fire cedars who were in an upper room. They were hiding out for fear of their life being taken from them and all it took 
was the wind of the Holy Spirit. And they lit and got on fire. And we're still enjoying the benefits of their fire over 2,000 years later. How much does it take to get you fired up about Christ? How much does it take to ignite you spiritually? Are you struggling with being cold and indifferent, nonchalant about your spiritual walk? Are you finding reasons to miss church instead of reasons to come to church? Are, are you finding reasons and finding that you've gone days and maybe even weeks or possibly even months without opening your Bible instead of every day looking forward to seeing what else God has to say to you about what's going on in your life? See, the tenderness of our heart reveals our spiritual maturity and our spiritual growth. So... You got the little cedar that hangs on. You got the fire cedar that will ignite with a spark. And I'll close with this one. Because I can tell you're really fired up. The third cedar. He said you'll grow. How will you grow? Like the cedars of Lebanon. He said you'll grow. The third cedar is the humming cedar. The humming Cedar. You say, really, Pastor? Are you telling us the truth? No, your pastor's lying to you. I mean, yes, I'm telling you the truth. There's the humming cedar. The third cedar that grew in the mountains of Lebanon is called the humming cedar. It was called a humming cedar because on a windy night, when the wind would blow, the trees would hum. Legend has it that David... King David tuned his harp by the tone of the humming cedars of Lebanon. The harder the wind blows, the louder, the more beautiful the humming cedar hummed. Spiritual growth can be measured not by our gifts or talents, but by the strength of our song when the storms of life come our way. Not by your gifts or talents, but by the strength of your song when the storms of life come our way. I'm, I'm thinking of two humming cedars in Acts chapter 16 in a Philippian jail. Paul and Silas had been falsely accused and punished severely. They had done nothing wrong, but their backs had been beaten. They had been bruised. They had been tortured. They had been left for dead and they're thrown into a damp, deep dungeon. And at midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. <laughs> they were humming cedar. You say, how do you know if I'm growing spiritually? How can I tell if I'm growing spiritually? When you hit the potholes of life, are you hanging in there? Are you ready to give up? Is your life always ready to ignite? With God in His presence? Spiritually, are you just on go, ready for revival and stirring in your life? And then when the difficulties of life come, do you still keep your song? Or do you have a complaint? Now, would you like to hear the humming cedars this morning? All right, on the count of three, we're going to hum. 
On the count of three, we're going to hum. I'm going to say, well, I don't hum. Well, you are this morning. We want you to be a humming cedar, not a scrub oak. Anybody, anybody who don't hum is a scrub oak, and we don't allow scrub oaks. So on the count of three, we're going to hum. One, two, three. Hum. <laughs> Boy, don't you sound good. Now let's do it. Let's pray. Let's do it again. On the count of three, we're going to hum. Here we go. One, two, three. Some of you are weeping willows there instead of. And when, when somebody hurts you or your family, guess what humming cedars do? And when you get a pink slip at work and your company is starting to close down, instead of crying, woe is me, guess what humming cedars do? And when the doctor gives you a bad report, what does humming cedars do? They hum. They always keep their song. How can you evaluate whether you're growing spiritually? How do you evaluate? He said you'd grow. You're supposed to grow like the cedar of Lebanon. How do you do it? You just won't fall off no matter how difficult the road gets. You're always ready to ignite. You're looking for the presence of God in every area of your life. And you keep your song. You keep your song. Stand with me, would you?